welcome. I'm so excited to introduce Calvin Strawn. So Calvin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you, Chelsea. Good to see everybody, or everybody as well. I'm a speaker and a coach, and most of my focus is on how to be your best under pressure. And I've taken a real liking to your content, Chelsea, how you're helping people with stage fright, performance anxiety, and really helping people out. So it's a nice synergy to be able to be here today. So thank you for that. Oh, no, thank you. It's it's so exciting. And so yeah. Calvin, I know you didn't you didn't start off doing exactly what you're doing now. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and, and where you started and and then how you've gotten to where you are now? Yeah, it's kind of a clunky story, right? So I'll be as brief as I can. Um, basically, I've always been a fan of self-improvement. So starting back when I was a kid playing sports, always a fan of like, you can do whatever you set your mind to type stuff. But I had no idea that even existed. And so fast forward, I was in university and I, I was selling knives, believe it or not, Cutco, if you've ever heard of those things. And the manager played a Tony Robbins um, tape, tape seriously. And I thought, what was that? that? Whoa, what is this? It was so like amazing. And I was like, I got to get more of this. So I got really enamored in, into Tony's world. And then learning that there was a whole industry behind it, self-improvement. And so fast forward, as I started, kept reading books, listening to CDs, going to courses, I had a chance to actually meet Tony Robbins live in person. And that really kicked things into high gear because he took a liking to me and he coached me and gave me a free coach and all these things happened. And as a result of that, I felt the need to pay him back. And so I ran a club in Toronto that taught a lot of his concepts and other concepts. And I went around helping people in Toronto, that's where I'm from, Toronto, Canada, uh, for about eight years, I ran seminars on how to help people get better. And so my journey really started there. So speaking to tens of thousands of people on how to improve your life, how to get better. And what I noticed was it wasn't so much the motivation people needed, right? Getting excited and jumping up and down. It was like when the moments came, the key moments came, could they be their best in that moment? Right. Everyone was driven. Everyone's excited. But it's like when it comes down to do the audition or the rehearsal or the interview, they know what they want to say, but the pressure gets to them and they collapse. And so taking all that I learned from that journey, I started to really focus in on that, how to help folks be their best when it really mattered the most. That's how I got here. Yeah. That's wonderful. And what, what do you feel like as far as a, a piece of advice where when everything goes awry, when everything goes wrong, or they're in a high pressure situation and yeah. then they have something that they want to do, what do you feel like really gets in the way? What gets in the way is people feel like it's wrong to feel the nerves. They're trying to resist the nerves. So part of my background as well is I used to be a television actor in Toronto which means you haven't seen any of my work, but it's okay, right? So I'm a television actor. When you go into an audition, there's so much pressure and you think you shouldn't be nervous, do your best. And so that gets in the way, the belief or the perception about how you should be feeling in that moment. And I like what you've said as well on your channels is that pressure is normal. Anxiety and nerves are normal and sort of lean into it. And most of us resist it. And so one of my favorite quotes I learned is that when you resist it, it's kind of like resisting a screaming toddler. Like the more you ignore it, the bigger it gets. And so the idea here is just kind of lean into it and embrace that moment rather than resisting it. Yeah. Have you had any moments yourself through your career? Because I know you've been speaking on stages and you've been with a lot of groups. Have you struggled with stage fright yourself? Absolutely. And I think back to being an athlete, you know, I played a lot of volleyball, basketball and soccer. And before big games, your heart is going through your chest, you're nervous, you make silly mistakes. So for sure, in the sports arena, absolutely, as an actor, you know, before going to a commercial or a movie set, 
and the director's like, cut, do it again. And you're thinking, whoa, what did I do? Like, it's just several points. And of course, as a speaker, where you, I'm in the public and there could be hundreds or thousands of people out there and all of a sudden you're just forgetting what you're supposed to say. So I have struggled with it. And so over time, realizing that it's okay, right? Those nerves don't mean you're going to mess up. It just means you're ready. Your body's more heightened and ready to go for it. So that simple switch helped me to get through those stage fright moments. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, that's, that's so cool. And you've been in athletics and you've been on stage and you've been acting. I mean, what, what have you not done? <laughs> it's a funny joke. I say I'm, I'm part Jamaican. So I've got, I've had like a hundred jobs. So <laughs> I've done a lot of things. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And how, how do you feel like, cause I'm sure that you have been affected by this past year and the pandemic yeah. and how has that changed your, your life in any way, or maybe a, a mindset or um, your attitude about things or your energy about things, or even just your life in general and what you're doing. Yeah. How's it changed my mindset, the pandemic, I would say it's allowed me to be more authentic. So what I mean by that is like, we're all sort of in this reset pattern of like, what's really most important. And so I've sort of gotten away from like trying to show myself as more than I am and just sort of embracing what I am. You know, if I'm nervous, I'll tell people when I'm on a Zoom or a WebEx call or a Teams call, I'll say, hey, I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling anxious. Or if I'm in trouble with nerves myself, I will reach out to my inner circle more. So I'm allowing myself to go more into the vulnerability, I would say, because of the pandemic. Or before I may not have shown that vulnerability as much, or is now I'm willing to allow that to happen more because of the pandemic, yeah. And what, what makes you feel like you can be more vulnerable now because of the pandemic? I think it was just um, a focus on what's truly important, right? And so being able to really connect with folks. So before we were all sort of showing off, you know, compare and despair kind of thing on social media. And then we we're all at the same time going through this incredible shift. And it really felt like we just have this, we're missing out on not connecting. And I think that idea that I'm not connecting was what really drove it. Is that what really got me? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that does. And, and through that, what do you feel like has made a difference as far as being able to connect with people and um, really feeling like you can be that and not being afraid about what, well, what are they going to think about this? Yeah. So part of it is my work on pressure, right? Knowing that is normal. So some of these feelings of apprehension or hesitation or anxiety that are, I started studying through the pressure stuff also apply in this connection space. Because when you're trying to connect with someone, you feel similar things. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? Am I going to do this right? And those are okay. And those feelings are normal now. So I allowed myself to realize that feeling that way means I'm going in the right direction. And so it just kind of helped me to expose myself. Also, I love the work of Brene Brown. You probably know her. And she talks about when you are vulnerable, it's our truest form of courage. So I sort of took that mantra on to say, yeah, if I'm not being vulnerable, I'm not being courageous. And so I kind of felt sort of like, I don't know, motivated or empowered to embrace that vulnerability as a, as a badge of courage. So that's what kind of happened. And how do you feel like that transforms? I mean, going from accepting this feeling of insecurity, wondering about, oh, what are they going to think? Or so, for example, performing, going on stage and being like, what, or the uh, audition, what if they don't like it? Or what if I don't get the gig? And then how accepting that and embracing that, can we find courage or confidence through that? 
Yeah, I, how do we find courage through that? I think the big thing, I'm not sure if I'm finding courage, but I'm placing the focus in a different area, right? So I'm, I'm I, rather than attaching the courage to getting it, I'm attaching the courage as I'm showing up because I can't control if I get the gig or not. You know, when I was acting, I was like, I got to get this. And that puts so much more intensity and pressure on me versus focus on what can I actually control? Mm-hmm. And what I can control is how much I prep, how well I do. And that allows me to be more courageous to focus on what I actually can do versus what are they going to think? And it really takes away from my sense of achievement, identity, self-esteem when I'm pushing it on somebody else. And so I would try to focus on me and what I can do. And that really gave me that sense of courage in those moments. Uh, I know I'm kind of rambling there, but that's kind of how I did it. No, that's awesome. So say that you're going to go on stage and maybe you're nervous. What are some things that you think about that you can control? Yeah. So typically for me, before, before I go on, and for those who are about to go on stage as a singer, piano player, actor, I generally am writing things out. So if I'm feeling nervous, like really nervous, I'll get my phone and just like start dumping all of it out. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to be all that angst. I'm putting it in my phone. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Just let it go. The second thing I'll do though, is I'll affirm my value. Right. So I'll simply say, okay, what's good about me? What do I like about me? And it doesn't have to be like big awards. It can simply be, you know, I got two kids. I got a house. I have friends. You know, I had a good dinner last night. Just things that make me feel good about me. And that starts to dissipate some of that feeling before I get up on stage. And the last thing is I wouldn't just sit still. I think one of the big mistakes I made before, I'd be waiting in the audition room or waiting before I go up on the stage, just sitting there waiting. And they call me and then I'm, I'm just, it's just building and brooding, right? So I make sure I'm not sitting still, moving around, staying loose. And when they call my name, I mean, I'm in the right state before I get up on that stage. That's how I do it. Right. And how do you, how do you feel like you get in the right state when you're doing that? Is it, is it some kind of physical thing that you're doing so that you're getting ready when they do call you? Yeah. Great question. It depends on where I'm at. So if I'm in a, well, we're all in a lockdown situation, but when I was live backstage, I'd have headphones on. Right, I turn music on, I'd be walking around in the back area, so I'm not staying still. I'd probably kind of bounce a little bit, kind of like you might see an athlete before an event. You would see a hockey player, football player, basketball player, they kind of walk around, they don't stay still. Okay, so before a performance, same thing. If it's a boardroom situation, a little harder, right? So maybe what I'll do is I'll go in the hall or the bathroom somewhere where I can let go of some of that space and get that going, or I'm in the parking lot in my car, I'm just not letting myself just sit there. Okay. Auditions. One of my voice coaches told me, she would say, you know what, put headphones on in the audition room. Even if there's no music on, it just so that people aren't talking to you and making you nervous just to, just to keep yourself separate. So there's a few things you could do. Walk out in the hallway, put some headphones on, you know, that's a couple of things I used to do uh, back in the day. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting that you say that because one of the things I feel like I've found is especially with the, the outside stimuli and getting in the way of, of that, especially before going in and sometimes or I'll have students or myself where it does seem like when people are talking to you, all of a sudden it's like, and the people pleaser inside of me is like, oh, well, you know, it's all about you. And like, what do you want? And let me respond to you. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah. oh, my focus is completely shot. <laughs> yeah. I'm forgetting my lines. What to do? Ah! Yeah. Panic sets in. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So you had mentioned in one of your steps, affirming your value. Yeah. And 
that is really, really fantastic. And one thing that I wanted to ask you about after hearing that is this mindset. I feel like we as people, we as humans sometimes look for our value in our accomplishments or our feedback from the world and and what we're doing or what in their mind is, is of value and of not. And how, how have you kind of worked through that to feel like you have purpose and your life has purpose, but it's that the fact that it's purpose in that and not that you have to like go out and I don't know, find a purpose and get some sort of feedback and, and value from the world and that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because in, in well, Canada, US, right, we're, we're, we're taught to accomplish. And if you don't accomplish, you're, you're nobody kind of thing, right? That's, it's not like a written rule, but it's like an unwritten rule kind of thing. And we're seeing that in social media too, the compare and despair type thing. So it's been hard for me, but looking at other teachers, so a couple of them, like one was like T.D. Jakes, if you know who that is, and he's a preacher in the U.S. And he has a really cool analogy where he says, you know, think about football players. You know, one of them is a big fat center, if you ever watch football, and one's a kicker, and they're a skinny, skinny kicker. And he's like, imagine you are the kicker and you're super skinny. And you look at that big fat center and you go, oh, look at me. I'm so skinny. He's so big. I'm, I'm a wimp. And you start beating yourself up because you're not as big as the center. He's like, well, the funny thing is you're the kicker. You're not built to be that way. That's not your role. That's not your job. You're built your way for what you're supposed to do. And so when that happened to me, I was like, yeah, I'm comparing myself to others who have a bigger car, bigger house, more money, more kids. I said, but wait a minute, you're designed the way you are for what you have. Stop. Cause it's, it's, it's not, it's not fair to you to compare yourself to that person. That's not how you're supposed to be. Right. And that was a big opening for me to see, yeah, be kind of weird. And then the next thing was like a guy named David Burns, and he's a big guy on uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And he points out that a lot of our self-defeating beliefs are around this approval addiction. And what happens is as we try to get approval and we don't, we start feeling bad about ourselves. And sometimes we stop showing up. So if I can't make more money than him, I can't make more money than her. If I can't get a better husband than him or her, I don't even try. And then you're short, short, short circuiting your life. So it really puts the focus on, okay, look, you're not designed to be that way. It could be really disastrously hurting your life to compare. Really focus on what you can control. Okay. And that really started to help me shift. Because some of my friends are VPs of companies and they have degrees and they're doctors and all the entrepreneur, all this stuff, but I'm a speaker. I'm not supposed to be looking at spreadsheets and accounting files and looking at, oh, I'm going to go here with my new business. I'm like, no, no, I'm here to serve you on stage. That's, that's okay. I'm built the way I am for what I'm supposed to do. And that's kind of how I look at it. Does that, does that help? Yeah, that that's wonderful. It's it's so insightful. Sometimes in life, I feel like even in a certain phase of my life where in the moment I'm like, oh, there's so much more that I should be doing or could be doing. And then I'll fast forward and look back at where I was in some place and be like, wow, I, I can't even believe how much I had already accomplished in, and at that point. And so it's almost like chasing the wind in a way, like when is it going to be enough and when yeah. is it enough for us? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to get off that accomplishment achievement train. It's important. It's nice to achieve. It is. I understand. It's just being focused on what's the right thing for you. That's mm-hmm. the idea. And as far as comparison goes, especially with social media now mm-hmm. and 
which is more highlight or bragging rights or everything we're proud about, you know, most of the time, how do you feel like you keep your sanity and keep your eyes uh, just on your path and your focus without being so distracted by everybody else? Yeah, I do. What's interesting, I do try to minimize my time on social media, even though I post a decent amount. But I tend to only post for myself, first of all, I only try to post things that help people, right? So you don't see my shoes or my house or my, oh, I work, look at my six pack. I'm not doing things that would create sort of envy or um, seem braggy, right? I'm really for myself trying to only post things that make people get better or help them. And so then I try to pivot my attention to the same things on social media. So yes, if my friends are posting their brand new car, of course, I'll help them out and say good for the like. But for the most part, I'm trying to really just focus on those channels and sources that are helping to make me feel better. And I sort of learned that from, you probably heard of Jay Shetty or Prince EA. That's the same sort of thing they said too. It's like, are your posts helping people or hurting people? And I tend to focus my attention on those who are helping versus comparing. That's how I get through it. Right. And that's wonderful. I've noticed that about your Instagram too. Every time I will go to your profile and sometimes there'll be some new videos I have to catch up on or something. And it's like, oh, this one's awesome. This one's awesome. This one's awesome. So really your, your media account is, is really just full packed, full of value and insight. And that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yours as well. I love the performance anxiety things, like all the stuff on piano. I love it. I love your channel. That's how we got connected, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's awesome. Thank you. Um, And so can we dig a little bit into your process on, because one of your specialties is helping people under pressure, under pressure and everything going through that. And so can we spend a little time digging into maybe some of the first steps or the highlights or blueprints in that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, and it's, it's, it's for those who also teach on pressure in this area that we're both in, I know you've said it and lots have said it. It really is the practice. Um, (laughs) <laughs> laughing at myself now, one of my other jobs was I was a medical device sales rep. And so what that means was I would go into the operating room and I would help a surgeon do a knee surgery or a hip surgery. And I would sit by the table and gave instructions on how to do the surgery. High, high, high pressure role. And so what can happen sometimes is something goes wrong or they drop the instrument or they break the wrong bone or they cut the wrong area. And they turn to me and go, what do we do? And so what I'm, why I'm telling you this is because the only way to get through that kind of moment is the practice, is the prep. Without it, you get so full of doubt, uncertainty, confusion, hesitation that you choke. And so anybody, whether it's a piano player, actor, singer, politician, preacher, whoever, it's your prep. You got to prep your guts out like to the point where it almost seems like it's almost too much. And it's like, I know it, I know it. It's like, you know, if you're not overprepared, you're underprepared. And so in the OR, that's what I would do. I would, I would, practice the surgery nonstop before I got to the room. So if anything happened, I never got flustered or thrown off because I was so prepared. If I wasn't, oh my gosh, disaster would strike. So that, that practice is the first thing that helped so far. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you feel like, because sometimes if we're practicing and practicing and we're not under pressure when we're practicing, we feel fine. Yeah. We feel like we are able to focus, but then sometimes there's a change that happens. And I yes. know, 
felt that, but, and, and so even though it's like, oh, I've done this, I could do this in my sleep, but then all of a sudden I get up in front of this or this or this person or doing this. And all of a sudden I feel like, oh, I maybe forgot what I was going to say, or I, I can't great. function as well. So what have you done to address those things? Yeah. You want to try and get as close to the same conditions as possible as best you can. So I know sometimes it's hard, like for auditions, like say, you're not going to have a room full of cast directors, right? But you want to do the, you may want to try and call some friends or whatever to be in the room and have them start being rude to you while you're auditioning, okay? Or maybe you're an exam or something and you have two hours, you say, you know, for practice, cut your time in half. So put yourself as close to scenario as possible practice. So on the surgery example, I would bring the drills home, bring the saws home, bring the bones home, and I would practice in my house as if I was in the room. I would also practice as if the saw fell on the floor. Now what do I do? So I put myself in as close to the same conditions as possible. So when I go to the real thing, it's not so jarring. And so to really bring it home for folks, if I think about students I've coached in the past, and I go, listen, if you're going for an exam, you can't be studying on your couch watching TV. Because then when you go to the exam room, it's whisper quiet, there's rows of people, and it's not even close at all. So now you're thrown off just by that, right? Singers, same thing. You want to be, you can't be like kind of singing it, walking around your house. You got to imagine having three or four people looking at you, checking their phone, not paying attention, and put yourself in that place when you're ready when you get in the room. That's awesome. And what do you feel like... Um, helps with I feel like in general we as humans we don't like being uncomfortable yeah so when we have the opportunity to say oh well I can practice and get this fake audience in front of me or or whatever the scenario may be but then there's this thing that kicks in it's like oh but I don't want to be uncomfortable and all these negative emotions or feelings have you felt any connection with that yes yeah it's like if I'm going to leverage T.D. Jakes here again, where he says, if there is no blessing, if there's no, if there is no test, there is no blessing. And so when I'm coaching my clients, I'll say to them, if you're not feeling any kind of a pressure or tension or insecurity or uncomfortableness in your practice, or even in your actual activity, odds are you're not getting to the blessing. You need that pressure, tension, anxiety, hesitation thing in order to get to the blessing so if you're ignoring it you're not building up enough muscle when the real moment comes and so many folks are like well that's not no 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 i'm like no no you, you need it there's there's a very little very few places where you're going to have success without work and so you need to be experiencing that sort of attention for any activity you do that's what i tell folks oh, i love that that's awesome and also with the aspect of practicing mistakes when in, in retrospect to singing or performing, mm-hmm. that's something that they can do too. Right. Yeah. Is that just like, what could go wrong? Because sometimes we just sing it all through and you're like, I, I have this completely memorized, but there's so many times where in, in lessons or before recitals or something will say, okay, now we're going to pretend that you just forgot the words and you have no idea and you have to recover. And what are yeah. you going to do? And how are you going to keep your composure? And it's sometimes I think people, have such a high expectation for themselves that they expect perfection, but it's really about recovery. I mean, how do you handle yourself when those things happen? And that can kind of make or break the situation Absolutely. too, right? Yeah. It made me think of something when I think of a singer is that when I was acting, what would typically happen is you go into the audition and you're prepared and all, you, I know my lines, I'm ready to go. 
And the casting director, director, producer is like, you know what? Rather than reading these lines, read these ones. And oh, you weren't ready for that, right? Or you've prepared this whole piece ready to go. And they go, we've only got two minutes. So start in the middle, please. And go from the middle. And you're like, but wait, I'm prepared from the beginning. And now you got to, uh-oh. So for a singer, I got the whole song ready to go. I'm good. How about we start from the last frame? get yourself to practice these weird scenarios so you're not so jarred in the room. Because yeah, you go from beginning to end and beginning again, beginning to end, yeah, you get kind of used to it, complacent. But start in the middle or try and go backwards. Like just weird things that keep you sharp so you don't lose your attention or lose that so you don't get caught off in the room. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Do you feel like asking someone or having someone just throw certain scenarios at you would be helpful when you're practicing with them? I think so too. I think because like I kind of equate actors and singers in the same sort of ballpark where you walk in, this is like hot, you're in a room, this high pressure thing. And they're like kind of half paying attention. They're looking through their papers, checking their phone and you're singing or acting, right? So you want to have that someone in your house going, okay, so what song are you singing? What is your name? Okay. Uh, okay. Chell. Ch- Chell. Okay. Chell. Uh, anyways, Miss Melcher, go, right? Someone do that to you. So you're kind of like, oh, when it happens, not thrown off. And they go, no, no, start from the third core, the third, third verse, go. Third verse, what's the third verse? I don't know what's going on, right? Or give you a totally different song in the middle of the, anything like that really re- reduces the pressure when you're in the real situation. I, so I would recommend that for sure. Absolutely. Right. And how, how do you feel like you probably coach people how to do this when you enter a room, whether it's an audition or for speaking and, and just really feeling, are you focusing on mindset or inner thoughts or affirmations or body language? Yeah. For auditions, I I was a great phrase called set it, forget it. So I would try and do that. I would get so cold. It was hard to do in the beginning you want to be so perfect you want to get it right right so prepare 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 like crazy once i've got it i literally just let it go and just be present in the room i don't try and think what's my next line what do i say i'm trying to set it and forget it and the main thing i'm focusing on you said mindset yeah i'm trying to make sure i'm in the most loose comfortable present state possible as opposed to thinking on oh look at look at her look at her face she totally rolled her eyes oh he checked his watch he checked his watch oh my god like no i'm focusing on me and just being totally present and just trusting I've done enough work to get through. Yes. And I, I love how you mentioned being present. Could you dig a little deeper into that? And uh, because I feel like there are often, I know, especially with me, there are some times where I want to be present, but there are so many thoughts going on and so yeah. many other things. And I'm like, okay, no, no, just focus on the present. Just be here. Just think about the music or think about whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. So there's a couple of things here. So one, I would yeah, for sure use the writing piece. I mentioned before, so writing it out, get that stuff out of the way, affirm your value for sure. If it's still stuck, I'm going to start to notice my breathing. So like, how's, what, am I, is my heart going too fast? How's my breathing going? I'm going to really tune into me because if I feel that heart rate going fast, it's okay, whoa, whoa, slow down, right? Versus letting myself get caught up in the loop. It's like, oh, 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 oh. slow down, relax. So one thing you do is something called anchoring I just learned where you're focusing on five things you can see. Okay, so you're about to go in the room. What are five things you can see? Just look around, okay? It's the computer. I can see Chelsea. I can see my phone. Okay, great. What are five things you can hear? I can hear the traffic. I can hear my heartbeat. I can hear my daughter. Okay, great. And then, okay, what are five things you can feel? And so just that simple five, five, five really allows you to become more present to where you are 
because it can be kind of kind of abstract. Be present. And you go, what do I, what what do I do, right? So what are five things you can see? Five things you can hear. Five things you can feel, and that'll bring you back into your body, and you'll be able to actually relax more in the moment. That's awesome. That's I love that. Um, are you currently teaching or coaching or doing group coaching? What are you currently up to? Yeah, I'm coaching for sure, like one-on-one clients. I got a handful of those because I'm busy speaking as well uh, and speaking. So my two main things are speaking and coaching. So I'm speaking on find a way to win, be your best under pressure, and then I'm helping folks do the same thing. So how to be their best when it matters most individually as well. Yeah. Awesome. And one thing that I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is talking about you in one of your videos, you talked about confrontation and avoiding confrontation. And sometimes, especially in in the performance aspect, sometimes I, because I remember in an audition that I had, I felt so prepared. I felt so good about it. I did it. And there was just two men by themselves in the, in the back of the room. And I took a trip all the way to New York city all by myself. And I was like, Oh, look at me. and like doing this. Um, uh, and then at the end, at the end, one of the, the guy said, said, you know, that character choice that you did right there. Well, I don't, I don't agree with it. So I don't think it was an appropriate choice. And in the moment I just, my face felt hot and I felt embarrassed and I was like, okay, hold it in. Like, don't cry. Don't cry. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. But it's, like in, in certain situations like that, especially in auditions where it's kind of like this balance of being what they want and being, but being yourself and being you, but then also if there's moments like that, feeling like you have the confidence to really stand up for yourself in an appropriate way. Yeah. So this is a tough one because auditions like that, sometimes it's a power play, right? From the director person thing, but assuming it's not something that's interesting that happens is they want to see how you're going to react under pressure. And that's why they do it. Okay. And so I had it happen to me in job interviews and auditioning where they go, you know what? I don't believe you. And you go, oh, you want to cry as you're saying, right? <laughs> and so the important part here is like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just calm down, relax. And that is that being present to you thing. So what tends to happen is we tend to react versus respond. Okay. So we get that, get that punch in the mouth and we go, and you panic and your mind's going too fast. And you can't think. And now what do I say? I'm going to lose my audition. Oh my God. All right. So slow down. Okay. And then simply respond. What do you mean? Can you explain me further? You know, it doesn't always work in auditions, but that's the first thing you would start with is just first get present and then say, what are you getting at? Can you explain more, please? And the tough thing about artist world is they say, you know what? Do it again. Do it better. You're like, what does that even mean? Right. But the important part is like, can you calm down and then just respond versus react? That's, that's the trick to that moment. In the confrontation space is try and make the other person feel safe in the confrontation. Okay, so rather than just a lot of people kind of lash out in that moment, if we can make that person feel safe, they may give you more of an answer, more of a response versus if you just kind of ah, jump out at them, they're gonna go, well, you suck. And you go, and then it gets worse, okay? So calm down, make them feel safe and simply respond. That's usually how we get through a moment like that. Yeah. And so if there was, say in this specific example, if I felt like 
it, and for me, I was actually very much not feeling confrontational. I was just yeah. like, oh, whatever you say, like whatever you need. Um, but I felt in, in the moment, I totally just clammed up and I was like, uh, okay, okay, thank you. Bye. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that one. Um, but do you feel like there would be a way, especially for performers and auditions to non in a non-confrontational way and that doesn't come off as disrespectful have a conversation about that yeah i do and that go about yeah i think um like back when i was acting in the days it was like they would talk about a-list actors or really strong actors and they would say they have this unbelievable confidence so in that moment if you were to see like an anthony hopkins or something like this right or a meryl streep they wouldn't be on wouldn't be unusual for them to go, what do you mean? Okay. And so someone's like, well, I'm not Meryl Streep. I'm not Anthony Hopkins. Right. So what you want to do is act as if. So for my other coach training, you're going to leverage or associate to someone else's ability. Success leaves clues. So in that moment, you act as if you are Meryl Streep. You're not being confrontational, not being ego, not being braggadocious. You're simply saying as a professional actor, I would say, huh, what do you mean? Even though you're scared to death and you're shaking like crazy inside, right? You're going to pretend as if you are Meryl and you go, okay, hmm. Can you, what, 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 don't, why, what don't you agree with that choice? Or what, where do you see I went wrong here? Right. And that's what they would do. And so a lot of times for a lot of my clients, whether it's actors, singers, Wall Street day traders, I'll say, act as if you are the best day trader, act as if you are the best teacher. Well, how would they respond in that moment? And try to try to use that as a model instead of your current model. And as they do that, they're able to find the right answers, the right questions, the right statements. That's how I'd say it. So act as if you were the thing you wanted to be in that moment. Yes, I, I love that. I, um, I saw a TED Talk one time by Amy Cuddy about, yeah. um, I think it was called Fake It Until You Become It yeah. type of thing and, and showing that you can really embody more confidence in that way. So that's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you, Calvin, so much for, for talking with me and for your time and this incredible insight. It's, it's, we're so grateful for you. Great. Thank you. I flew by. I can't believe it's already been this, this fast. Wow. I know. I know. I, I feel like, I mean, I want to turn you on like, uh, <laughs> like Tony Robbins or Shalina and, and just like listen to you talking for hours and hours on end. So it's, it's fun that you mentioned Tony Robbins because um, Shalene Johnson is very similar in that way. And she's kind of my Tony Robbins. And so it's nice. they actually, I think did some collaboration oh. together recently. Oh, wow. Good yeah. for you. That's yeah. Amazing. They did some sort of fun thing. So, um, I think her and Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins all kind of did some fun program together. So that's right. That's right. I, I have seen something like that recently. So that's good. Well, I'm honored. I, it was an honor to be here. I really enjoyed it. Uh, as always, I enjoy your work and uh, I really appreciate this. I seriously do. Thank you. It, it means it means so much that you would come on here. When I when I first found you I on Instagram, I thought, oh, wow, this guy is incredible. And um, just kind of trying to start a conversation and then how responsive and how amazing and how humble you are. And I'm kind of like fangirl over here. So <laughs> it's, it's really, thank you for, for coming on here and thank you for your time and for talking. So I know, I know my audience will really appreciate as well hearing from you and all of the insight that you have to offer. Great. Well, I hope I could serve. That's good. That's good. Thank you. 
you to imagine what it would be like if you had so much focus, so much zen, so much peace, so much calmness, and so much excitement at the same time before performance. As in, like, you're not getting in your head, you're not freaking out, you're not becoming a basket case, or you're not a hot mess. So if you feel like sometimes that is you, imagine what it would feel like if that wasn't the case, if that wasn't a problem anymore. It would be pretty awesome, right? So what is the first step to that? Working with your mindset. So if this is something that's of interest to you, I recommend going to stopcaringwhatthethink.com. If you're a performer and you wanna have more confidence, if you wanna get out of your head, these are tips and tricks that I'm offering to you for free. It's a free resource that can help you have more confidence to manage that anxiety and just to feel like you can enjoy life again. You can enjoy performing. That's what it's all about, right? So stopcaringwhatthethink.com. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something. Don't forget to like it and subscribe to the channel. I post new videos every Wednesday and a new podcast every Friday. Thanks.